It's good to see you tonight, and uh, we want to turn our Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Let's read it verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that we have another opportunity to uh, come together and gather around your word and... uh, be taught by your spirit. That is the only way that we'll be taught is if we're taught by him. And, and we pray that he would uh, be our teacher and that we would allow him to be our teacher tonight, to speak to our hearts. Uh, we thank you for this passage of scripture and the importance of it to confirm in our minds the truth of the gospel. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the title of tonight's message, The Truth of the Gospel. We want to come back uh, to our studies here in Galatians, in the book of Galatians. And here in chapter 2, we have been talking about how the account here corresponds to what we read about this council that was held in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. And the reason this council was convened is because these false brethren, as Paul calls them here in verse 4, I think it's important to notice that. They came down to Antioch from Judea, and they taught the brethren there in Antioch that except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. And so Paul and Barnabas stood against them, and there was a great debate with these uh, Judaizers. And because Paul and Barnabas, they were not going to back down from the truth of the gospel. And these Pharisees were not going to back away from their position of being circumcised and keeping the law of Moses. It was determined then that Paul and Barnabas and certain of this group 
would go up to Jerusalem unto, uh, to, the, to the apostles and elders and put this question before them. And that's what happened. And the debate that started in Antioch continued there in Jerusalem. And it was just as passionate there as it was in Antioch. Because this is a critical question. It is the, uh, perhaps the critical question. What is the truth of the gospel? How are we saved? This is the, the debate. Um, it, it, and, and the importance of it is Paul's words there in verse 5 of Galatians chapter 2. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. He's talking about giving place to those who were requiring that Titus, a Gentile, a man who knew the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, needed to be circumcised. And this was the, na- the critical nature of this debate. Um, and as we saw in our last message, the Pharisees presented their side. Peter makes a very critical case that there is no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. The hearts of the Gentiles who believe, he says, are purified just as the hearts of the Jews who believe. Both are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Paul and Barnabas give their testimony of how the Lord had been, has been working in their ministry among the Gentiles. And so James then gives a sentence, gives his judgment based on Peter's testimony of what the Lord showed him in preparing and sending him to the house of Cornelius. And then based on the testimony, James goes back to the prophets, the testimony of the Old Testament prophets, how that the Lord would visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And so based on all of this, his sentence is that we trouble not the Gentiles, which are turned to God. James and the apostles and elders write a letter to the brethren in Antioch in Syria, and they state that they did not send these men out who had troubled and who had subverted their souls by teaching that they must be circumcised and keep the law. And so James and the apostles and elders are very clear that salvation is through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, apart from any work, apart from any keeping of the law. And so the truth of the gospel is upheld. And those who preach that except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved, that teaching is rejected. But in our last message, in Acts chapter 15 and verse 20, we notice something in James' pronouncement, something that I believe is directly related to this incident that we have looked at here, just read about in Galatians chapter 2. James had just said in, in verse 19 of Acts 15 
that his sentence was that we trouble not them, which from the Gentiles are turned to God. And then in verse 20 he says, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication. That's practical instruction, needful instruction for these Gentiles. To leave the old life, to put it behind them, to take off the old grave clothes with which they were bound when they were saved. But then James says this, and that they abstain from things strangled and from blood. Abstaining from things strangled and from blood is part of the law, the ceremonial law, particularly to abstain from things, things strangled. That word strangled refers to an animal that had died without the shedding of blood. This was part of the ceremonial law that applied to the Jews only. We read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 21 that says that an animal like that could be given to the stranger or it could be sold to an alien. In other words, this law did not apply to Gentiles. The letter that they are sending out rejects those uh, that commanded that you must keep the law. And yet, here is James in his sentence. And then later in the letter from the apostles and elders telling these Gentile believers that they need to keep part of the law. So what seems to be happening here is a compromise to keep peace in the church at Jerusalem. But folks, peace at the expense of truth will always lead to error. It'll always lead to problems. And so it's agreed that the Gentiles do not have to be circumcised to be saved, but there's this concession made to these Jews who believe that the law of Moses must be kept. In spite of Peter's words, that to do that is to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Can't keep the law. And so James and the apostles and elders should not have made that concession to these Pharisees, to these false brethren brought in unawares, as Paul calls them in verse 4. And the result of this compromise, I, I believe, is what we see here in Galatians chapter 2. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. Peter comes to Antioch, as we see in verse 11. And verse 12 tells us that Peter ate with the Gentiles, as he should have. The Lord had taught Peter that it wasn't wrong to eat and fellowship with the Gentiles. Now, we've been talking uh, in the last message, in this message, about Acts chapter 10. And I'd like for you to turn back there, if you would, for, for just a minute. Acts chapter 10. Here in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, a Gentile, is instructed by God in verse 5 to send men to Joppa. 
and called for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And so Cornelius does exactly what the Lord tells him to do. He sends people to go for Peter. Well, the Lord is working both ends here. He's working on the Cornelius end to give him light. And he's working on Peter's end to give him light. He's preparing Peter for this ministry that he's going to have to the Gentiles. Look at, look at verse 9. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I'm not going to eat any of these creeping things, any of these uh, certain four-footed beasts of the earth. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to violate that ceremonial, that, that law in the Old Testament. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. The purpose of this thrice-seen vision was to prepare Peter to minister to this Gentile, Cornelius, and those that were with him, and to teach him, teach Peter, that they were not unclean, to teach Peter as we see in verse 34. Verse 34 is, is we're getting into Peter's sermon to Cornelius and, and his house. And he says there, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation. I want you to think about something. But in every nation. Peter heard that from the Lord Jesus, who said, Go ye there, before he went back up into heaven. The Lord Jesus told the disciples, he told Peter, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, all nations, Jews, Gentiles, that repentance and remission of sins is available in his name. Through his name is preached the remission of sins. And you're to do that among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so here Peter, he heard that from the Lord. 
Here, Peter is learning the truth and the reality of what the Lord Jesus said. You're to go into all nations. And, and in every nation, in all four corners of the sheet that Peter saw, in every direction on the earth, north and south and east and west, what did Peter learn? Verse 35, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And Peter preaches the gospel to Cornelius. How that through the name of the Lord Jesus, whosoever believeth, whosoever believeth, period. Not whosoever is circumcised. Not whosoever keeps the law. But whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. And Cornelius and those who were there believed that message. And they received the Holy Ghost just as, as Peter and the apostles did on the day of Pentecost. And they spoke in tongues. They spoke in languages just as Peter and the apostles did on the day of Pentecost. And it's like that because they got saved the same way Peter and John did. All the disciples did. God is no respecter of persons. Salvation is ever the same. And Cornelius and these believers were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Just as the Lord told his disciples to do. They asked Peter to stay. Cornelius and those of his house. They asked Peter to tarry certain days. We don't know how many. If they wanted to say a week or two weeks or a month. And the indication is that he did. And guess what? He would have eaten. He would have fellowshiped with these Gentiles for these certain days. And, and so what happened in Acts chapter 10 is Peter's testimony to the council. Look over at Acts chapter 15, if you will. Acts chapter 15. And look at verse 7. We're in the council now. We're in this debate. And when there had been much disputing, much back and forth, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. He's talking about what we just looked at in, in Acts chapter 10. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference, no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Peter believed that. He preached that. And I read, I was thinking, how Benjamin Franklin's speech at the Constitutional Convention made such a difference there. 
The conventions seem to be going nowhere. Well, here's this disputing that's going on, this back and forth. And what does Peter do? The Lord uses his words here, I believe, to turn the counsel here, to really drive home the point. No difference between us and them. No difference between Jew and Gentile. No difference, as Paul would write. He's concluded all under sin. The way to be saved is exactly the same way. And so this is uh, the, the lesson that the Lord taught Peter is the message that he believed and he, he's preaching and standing for in this meeting. And so with all of that background, here comes Peter to Antioch. The council ends. Uh, Paul uh, and Barnabas go back to Antioch. And Peter comes. And he eats with the Gentiles while he's there. And he eats the food that they prepared because he got the message from the Lord that not only were the Gentiles not common and unclean, but the ceremonial law was abolished. Christ is the end of the law. And the Gentiles were not obliged to keep it. Neither were the Jews. This is what Peter stood for. Now, let's go back to Galatians chapter 2 and look at verse 12. Because this is, this is where things change. Well, let's read verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Paul did not tolerate error very well, did he? We need to be like Paul. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So here is Peter, a pillar in the church in Jerusalem, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Now, I want to, the Lord puts this in here so that we can see ourselves. Our tendency is to fear men. That's our tendency to fear men. Our tendency is to not want to offend. And, and that's what we see here. The Lord wants us, wants us to see it in ourselves, not just look at Peter and say, oh, Peter, you made, a, you made a mistake. How could you do that? How can we do that? How can we fear men? How can we worry about offending men with the truth? Peter should have led these folks in the, the words of the song, free from the law, oh, happy condition. But what does he do? He withdraws himself. He fears them which were of the circumcision. Who were they? These people who I believe are the people 
that James and the apostles and elders made concession to. They're the people, I believe, that the leadership of the church at Jerusalem compromised with. And here they are in Antioch. And look at the effect that they had on Peter. He doesn't want to offend them. He withdraws and separates himself from the Gentiles. And people are always watching. You don't have to be a Peter to be a leader. You don't have to be in a position like the Apostle Peter. When we have a testimony for the Lord Jesus, people are watching. They're watching. They can be, we just have a tendency, such a tendency in our hearts to be followers of men. And so Peter compromises what he knows to be the truth. We just read him preach it. And he pleases men rather than pleasing God. And these other Jews followed Peter. And even Barnabas followed Peter. Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas has been uh, part of this debate and standing for the truth. And yet when Peter withdraws himself, Barnabas does the same thing. Interesting verse in Proverbs 29 and verse 25. It says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And Peter's fear of these of the circumcision brought a snare to him and to these other Jews and to Barnabas. And it caught these Gentile believers in Antioch in a snare of confusion to see Peter treating them as if they were unfit to eat and fellowship with. And what it does is it brings up this question again in the minds of these believers. Which is it? Is it necessary to keep the law in order to be saved or is it not? This is why Paul says in verse 14, and I think about the words righteous indignation when I think about Paul here. This is why he says in verse 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly. That language is interesting. It, it means to walk in a straight course. To walk uprightly means to walk in a straight course. It means not turning to the right hand. It means not turning to the left. And so Peter and these other Jews and Barnabas were not walking uprightly. They were not walking a straight course. They appeared to be walking on both sides of this issue, being for grace and at the same time for the works of the law. They're, they're, they're trying to please both sides. This is what moves Paul to withstand Peter to the face. Because he was to be blamed. This is what moves Paul to confront Peter with this question. If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews. The Lord had taught Peter that back in Acts chapter 10. The Gentiles are not common and unclean. God is no respecter of persons. The law put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, Peter said. We don't want to do that. We can't bear it. Our fathers can't bear it. Peter, who heard the Lord Jesus say that he came to fulfill the law, and since he fulfilled it and kept it, we don't have to keep it. 
So if you're living in the light of these things, Paul is saying, then why are you trying to compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews and to live under the yoke of the law? Verse 15, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Verse 16 is, it, it is an amazing verse. It, it's, it's the truth of the gospel encapsulated right there in those words. Paul says that a man is not justified by the works of the law. And he repeats that two more times in this verse. Look at the, toward the end of the verse. He begins it by saying, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Then, then look toward the end. And not by the works of the law. And then he says again, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And then... After he says that three times, then he says three times how we are justified. Look at the middle of the verse. How are we justified? But by the faith of Jesus Christ. Then he says, even we have believed in Jesus Christ. And then he says, by the faith that we might be justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. This is the truth of the gospel. And it has never changed. It's never changed from the beginning. Look back for just a minute, if you will, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read a verse that we know well. But it's a verse that makes a critical point. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Now, look carefully at the wording here. Unto Adam also and to his wife did... The Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. What law did Adam and Eve keep? None. They were lawbreakers, in fact. What work, what work did Adam and Eve do? They did nothing. They did nothing. God provided the lamb. God sacrificed the lamb. God clothed Adam and Eve. God did all the work. Adam and Eve did none of the work. What a demonstration of Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. But to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. He was standing right there in front of them. 
And Adam and Eve believed on him that justifieth the ungodly. They didn't do any work. And their faith, God counted for righteousness. Here in this 21st verse is the faith of Christ. God could provide the lamb and shed the blood of that lamb and clothe Adam and Eve because he is the lamb that God would provide. He's the lamb of God that John identified. He's the lamb that Peter tells us was foreordained before the foundation of the world to shed his precious blood to redeem us. And what he had promised, he was able also to perform. This is the faith of Christ that is the gift of God, we read in Ephesians chapter 2, that is the gift of God, not of works, not of works for the first two people who got saved, Adam and Eve. Not of works for the Galatian Christians. Not of works for anybody in between or anybody since. The message is the same. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 2 again. In verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It's been that way since the beginning. This is the truth of the gospel that Paul is standing for. He stood for it when these folks first came to town and wanted to talk about needing to be circumcised and uh, keep the law. He stood for it in Jerusalem when he went to the council. He stood for it when he came back. The message never changed. This is the truth of the gospel that he stood for. It's the truth of the gospel that we're to stand for. Without compromise, in even the slightest point, it's the faith that we're to earnestly contend for. And we're to contend for it without compromise or concession until the Lord Jesus comes. He has never changed the message, and neither are we to change it. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. For the truth of the gospel. We thank you that that message has never changed. We look back to the first two people. Who trusted you as their savior. They did no work. You did all the work. And we thank you that it is still true today. That to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And yet we meet people every day who are trying to work and do something to inherit eternal life. 
may we not fear to tell them the truth. We thank you for this church. And Father, we pray that we would be faithful to you until you come. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.